I'm Ron Algarwat, and this is More Bits. I talked to Gav Brown, who is one of my closest friends and a regular writing partner, about comedy in early 2012. We specifically discussed the similarities and differences between British and American comedy. This would have been Sarcastic Voyage episode 133, but by that point I decided to move on from the interview format and commit SV to just doing comedy. We do go on for a while, but then that's nothing new when it comes to us. Hello, friends. That's the way I introduce the other show, isn't it? I'm I'm all screwed up. Matt's not here, and I just I don't know what to do. Um, my guest this week is the co-host of the Drunken Time Travel podcast, the author of the Get the Cheese to Sick Bay blog, and one of my good great friends, Mister Irish Gav Brown. See you, folks. <laughs> well, that was quick. <laughs> Um, we I have confused as well. I, I was going to discuss, um, the, I was going to continue the, the thread that I've had in these, uh, one-on-one interviews and talk about doing things. And then I realized that's sort of against your religion. <laughs> so I'd, I'd better not. I, I don't like doing things. No, I, I think it's well established. Um, I think we would have written it down had, had it not been such a <laughs> tremendous effort. Well, I do like lists. Well, that's true. Um, well, as, as far as productivity goes, we do have the same, approach which is making lots of lists obsessively so there's that yes i actually find it get more done if i have lists because then at least you can cross things I've, I've started doing that a lot you know each day just writing a to-do list for the day right and then uh once you cro- once you've crossed them off you, you you feel strangely quite good about yourself and then you then you feel justified in you know kicking back and and having beer or do you put have beer on the list Oh, that's going to be on the list. Oh, of course. Along with completing the list. <laughs> well, and making the list is the first thing, right? <laughs> yes. You cross that off immediately. All right, now that we've got the productivity crap out of the way, now we can <laughs> have some fun. Um, I, I've, I've decided to take a little more of a freeform approach, I think. I'm just going to talk to people that I'm comfortable talking to. and um, I, we, we discussed a few things. I think something interesting that you and I have have fairly unique perspectives on is I like to watch a lot of British television and you like to watch a lot of American television. So talk about that. <laughs> right. Off I go. All right. No, I, I don't. I, I'd, I'd never know how to start these things. Every single podcast I've ever done is me not knowing how to start and eventually things getting moving. So. And then but, every sketch is us not really knowing how to end it. Yeah, and then a bear comes in. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So at least we know them. And the middle's fine. Oh, sure. Should should we just skip to it? We should just start doing them in reverse and have uh, open with a bear mauling someone <laughs> and then uh, go from there. Um, but no, I I did sort of because – one of the one of my passions, as as people, longtime listeners know, is the the mechanics of comedy, the way comedy works, and that sort of thing. And there's definitely, I don't know if there's a there's a distinctive difference between British comedy and American comedy the way there used to be, but I I think I think it's worth exploring. I think that's definitely something we could we could talk about. So, yeah, I think because obviously of TV, the internet, that kind of thing, it it wouldn't be. You know, it's obviously become muddled, the difference between the two, because obviously people in Britain can watch UK things and vice versa. And I think uh, it's it's strange watching some of the British comedians that I really admire uh, talking about how their favorite show is The Simpsons. That is not something I would expect to hear. Oh, but it's, yeah, a lot of people would say that, because The Simpsons, I think, well, I remember watching it 
uh, what it's twenty years old now or something, isn't it? More than that, uh, but but uh, it probably, but it would it would probably be the first big show that a lot of people would have watched. Mm-hmm. It's just strange, like um, uh, David Mitchell of Mitchell and Webb, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Uh, has said that that's a huge influence on him. It's it's odd hearing, well, yeah, it's Monty Python and this and that, but uh, The Simpsons. And it's just strange because he's my age. And, of course, that show influenced me, but that's because I'm from here. I'd never It never occurred to me that that show would be just as big over there. I just assumed it would be the sort of insular American thing, but apparently it's huge over there as well. Oh, yeah. It would be, yeah, because it would be the thing that people would watch. Because I remember when it was on, uh, was it, I think it was on BBC originally, they, they started showing it. And then it was a huge thing that it would move to Sky, which was like, one, like I suppose, your cable thing. So a lot, right. a lot less people would have been able to see it. It, it feels uh, like that might have been the first thing you, when you guys would take a look at it and say, wait a minute, Americans aren't just into stupid things. This, this show's actually quite clever. Yeah, exactly. Because you would you would see it. It's just like I don't know uh, a sitcom with a sketch show in it. Yeah, although I would say Family Guy's more like that. Somebody, I think it might have been Matt, said that uh, the best way to watch Family Guy is just as a sketch show. Like, forget the fact that it has a, a, a plot, and just watch it as a series of sort of unrelated sketches. And if you watch it like that, I think it's more entertaining. But but I see what you mean. Oh, it's not as good as it used to be. Well, well nothing's, nothing's welcome as good to as the, Welcome to, to the internet. <laughs> uh, but I did watch A Good Family Guy the other day, which was where they went back in time to the pilot episode. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And I, I love me some fourth wall, so that... Uh, and that was just meta all over the place. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. Um, but it's interesting because I, I guess sort of the generation of people making entertainment now are, are roughly our age, roughly in their 30s. And... They on the American side, I think they would have grown up on Python and things like that. I hear the young ones thrown around a lot as well, but uh, and even Fry and Laurie and that sort of thing. But there's definitely a British influence to the people making comedy now. You can clearly see that in in you see a bit of it in Arrested Development. You can definitely see it in Community, like some of the more obscure, really smart comedies being made now. I think definitely have a, a British influence to them. Oh, well, <clears throat> exactly. You've got. Uh that did well, the Doctor Who um, thing in the first start. You wouldn't really expect to have that in a primetime com- comedy on the yeah, that US was, TV. That was a great, like, watching uh, watching Community and, and seeing them, you know, what was it, Inspector Space Time. Inspector Space Time, I can't remember the name of it. But, and that was, uh, that, that was yeah, that was... I, I also love that it's not just a throwaway thing. No, they, they keep coming they, back they to They keep it. coming back to it. And they come back to it with very specific references. Like, it's not just, I've seen... I've you know I've seen a commercial for Doctor Who. No, they've clearly watched the show. Like there's there are some references in there that are you know very specific, which is great. I uh, I didn't realize that the the whole Cougarton what was it Cougarton Abbey was apparently a a, a reference to something as well. Yes, uh, Down Downton Abbey. Right. Yeah, I've never seen it. It's like one of those period dramas they have over here. Ugh. Not not period isn't what you're thinking, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> What I oh another thing I love was uh, was it Cougar Town? Yes. Or Cougar? I know. But but there was actual there was a scene in that that had uh, Abed in the background. Right, and they actually implemented just, it into the actual show. Like it wasn't just yeah. a reference on Community. They did it, you know, in the in the other show, and it was just yeah. It blew my mind. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a I think it's a fairly established fact that the 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 smartest 
live action show on here right uh, in America right now is is community and hopefully it won't go away like they're saying it might but um but this, this kind of thing happens doesn't it it, it does to and, development it happened yeah to other shows I'm trying to think comedy wise what it, what else has happened to it it happens occasionally but more I think to to uh, uh, nerd things I mean we saw it happen to Firefly and that sort of thing I yeah. I really enjoyed the live action tick show and that lasted i think four episodes I, yes that was meant to be very good was it, was it only four i i think four aired and they made six all oh, right which is a series over uh, there so that would be fine <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's really the thing i wanted to talk about is the the difference and i know this is something people have discussed a lot but uh, shut up this is my show um no the, the difference between the way British television is is commissioned and the way you make shows versus here you don't need to have 50 episodes of something you you know if you have a series of 6 and then you want to do another series of 6 and that's it like i just rewatched spaced for instance they did i think 7 episodes so you know total of 14 and that's all and that's all they really needed to do i think yeah although sometimes you do hear them thinking about uh making another series so that then they can be syndicated in america well, that would be nice. But, that, but that's only if, you know, um, they get that many episodes. Right. And, and I'm but over, to here, think- over here, it does seem to be seven or six, sorry, for a series for some reason. Although now you're sort of seeing seven and eight. Or We sound so advanced, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> or in the case of, like, uh, Sherlock, you'll have longer episodes and fewer of them. Yes. I don't know how that came about. No, I'm, I'm not sure. I just, I, I like that, though, because... Because it seems to have been happening for so long, they can I, – I was going to say you guys, but you're not in the television business. I wish you were. But um, <laughs> I would exploit you so much more than I do I, now. I am. You're actually the uh, – you're being in a reality show as we speak. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I just – the way television works over there is you know. Like you know that there's only going to be six episodes and so you can write it that way. Like – a, a series of, say, Red Dwarf would specifically write an arc or, you know, a, a running jokes or whatever to, to last six episodes, and that's all. And then maybe they'll go away forever. Maybe they'll come back in 10 years. Who knows? Well, I think it's a lot to do with um, generally when you write a comedy or whatever over here for six episodes, it's normally just one or two people are writing it. Right. But over there, over in America, it does seem to be, uh, you know, there's a team of writers. <clears throat> well, yeah, you have so that, you have so, sort of the brain of the show, the, the showrunner, but then, yeah, you definitely have other people that are that have to sort of write in that style. Yeah. So there's there, there's there's advantages to both of them, really. I mean, one one it's more you've got one vision that that deals with it all. But know, I, I don't know. I think... kind of thing, and then the other one you've got people who can pitch in jokes. I, I think you know, when just, you have a better ones. when you have a show with a strong voice like say Arrested Development, uh, clearly that was Mitch Hurwitz. You know that was yes. his his vision, but everyone sort of understood where he was coming from, and they were able to contribute and and not really contradict it for the most part. Or Community, Dan Harmon, same thing. You know, yeah, you can you, definitely see. But but then he has other. I mean, he has a lot of uh, female people. Female people. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call those well, again? I don't, uh, I've watched a lot of Who's Line recently, and there's a lot of that condescending Clive Anderson. Do you do you have female people in America? What do you call those? <laughs> um, no, I mean, and and that helps too. I mean, if you have, I say, the the British version of The Office, and you have, you know, Ricky Gervais and um, is it Stephen Merchant? 
Yes, that's it. That was it. Like, I mean, you, you wouldn't really have, say, a female perspective, for instance, or, or anything else. But no. on the other hand, it's only six episodes. Who cares? Hmm. And it was only the whole entire series was 12 and a couple of specials, I think. Right. And see, that a lot of people hold that up as one of the perfect, you know, comedy series because it didn't overstay its welcome. Whereas you look at its American counterpart, I quite liked that show for quite some time. It started in the same place. It went in a very different direction. But now it's like, okay, time to time to stop now. I still like it, though, the American one. I, you know, I tune in from time to time and I don't dislike it. I just, I feel like any comedy has a, a shelf life. And even, I hate to be one of these people who says this about The Simpsons, but even The Simpsons, they've been talking about maybe ending it soon. And I don't know that I'd be against that. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't want to outstay your welcome, although I'm sure a lot of people will be saying it has. But, you know, it's still, it's still, it's not a bad show. No, it's it's not. But, you, it's, but, but it was like one of the greatest things that it shows ever. Sure. You know, maybe in the, what, seven to tenth season or, or whatever it was. So, you know, you do feel it's diluting it somewhat by, I'm not saying, dragging it on maybe. Well, I, I feel like it, it took a dip for a while there. And I saw the movie came out, I guess, four or five years ago now. And I quite enjoyed that. And I said, okay, I'll give the show another chance because – the movie was quite good, and I went back, and it, it's not bad. But also, because I, I assume the situation is the same over there, there are so many channels, and there are therefore so many different, you know, so many more things competing for your attention. There's only so much time in a day, and there's only so many things you can watch, and we're to a point where you really only need to watch the excellent things. Why, you know? Yeah, why bother watching? Even if it's like, on a scale of 1 to 10, choose. even if it's an 8, why bother <laughs> if you have more 10s to watch, you know? I mean... Yeah, and there is just so much. I mean, over here, there's hundreds of channels. I, I, I don't so, even yeah, want to joke. think what it's like over there. <laughs> it's it's the same. I mean, I don't even have cable now. I just I sort of download. You know, I mean, I if it's a show like Community, I'll I'll pay for it because I think it needs my support. But I also watch a lot of British shows, and there's no way for me to pay for those, so I steal them. That's you know, that's how yeah. I have to do it. Unfortunately. Well, yeah, I, BBC iPlayer isn't even, you can't even get that, can you? No, and it's just only for UK, so. And see, I understand that on a, like, uh, this, again, this goes back to the difference between the way we make television versus the way you make television, which is, it's, it's government funded there. You, what, do you still pay for your TV license? Is that still a thing? Yeah. So, it's, and that money goes to paying for the BBC, right? That pays for the BBC. And right. then there are other channels with adverts. Right. Um, so because of that, you can have, uh, you know, you can have a, 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 what are, how many official BBC channels are there? Is there four? There's four. Right. And so like the, the it's, high it's class. Like the Austin Powers song. <laughs> so the, the best one goes to, um, or the best shows, like the high quality, the high profile ones go to BBC one, right? And then like the more like experimental yeah, stuff goes one, on like four, and, right? And yeah. BBC four is more like arts and science. BBC three is more like teen stuff. Mm -hmm. BBC two is just stuff that, it's you, you, sort of mainstream, but you wouldn't see on BBC One. But I mean, most of the comedy stuff that I see, it's probably BBC Two, or it wouldn't generally be on BBC One. Mm -hmm. Like QI, I guess is pro is is high profile enough now. But yeah, it was actually moved on to BBC One for a series, but then they put it back onto BBC Two. Did it not do well enough, or I think they just decided. Nah. <laughs> so like here, they still just operate on ridiculous whims. Yes, I think they decided BBC, you know, 
it's more BBC Two is its sort of home. You know, you don't. It doesn't really have to pander to. I guess that makes sense, and, and it's not like not everyone has all the channels. I assume you all have access to them, so it doesn't. You know, doesn't matter where it goes, right? I mean, well, everyone has access to five channels, mm-hmm. and then you've got. Uh, all the all the other channels that you can get free, but you have to buy a box. Right, and then you've got other sh- uh, channels you have to buy. Uh, you have to pay for movie channels and Sky One and that kind of thing. Sky One's the main one that shows that, like the ma- that, like uh, Simpsons, the new Simpsons, and all that kind of thing. Right, but but when you're talking about like the all the various comedy things that I've been enjoying from over there, it seems like they all come from the BBC. They're not made on Sky or Dave or. What, I mean, the last series of Red Dwarf was made on Dave, and that wasn't very good. And um, I mean, I'm trying to think. QI and, and Mitchell and Webb and, and all that stuff seems to come from the BBC. BBC is definitely the best. And there's a lot of people that begrudge paying for it. You know, they, they would rather have adverts on it and just mm-hmm. turn it into another channel. But I think, I mean, why? Because you've got, you've got oh, some of the best comedy. You've got Doctor Who. What, well, I... What? I, why would I, you? Why would you want to disrupt that? Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, especially for you, that's your you know that's your bread and butter now, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> Leave Doctor Who alone. But why um, would you want to turn it to another channel with so much? I mean, uh, reality shows and and just drama that they just throw out any time they need something to fill up the space. Well, I mean, uh, reality I shows. There. Reality shows are cheap to make, and that's you know. Uh, most TV seems to be going in that direction just because people will watch them and they cost nothing, but. Basically, uh, but uh, what I like is because you have this sort of institution, and because there's always going to be a certain amount of money there, and it's and it's not necessarily businesses dictating what gets made. You get to, and because a series can only be six episodes, you you seem to have the ability there to do more experimental type stuff. You can make a show that wouldn't necessarily be a mainstream hit, and the goal isn't necessarily to get. 50 million viewers or whatever it's you know just to make a good show yeah and then if you can uh, and uh, i think well they do try and sell it but i mean the goal is to make a good show right uh and then as you say more experimental you can have like channel four would be like that bbc two <laughs> and then obviously the radio there's a lot of things on oh, that yeah. a lot of comedy comedy panel shows um sketch shows that kind of thing which then if they're good enough sometimes or if you know if people want them to, they'll move on to TV. And it seems like so, a lot so of the shows lot of that places. I enjoy started on the radio. Yeah, uh, I was going to say QI, but it didn't. I, but, no, uh, but so many other things. Even Who's Line, which really surprised me. I didn't realize that that had begun as a as a radio show. But uh... Red Dwarf kind of began on radio as well. I think. Really? Like it was? It wasn't called Red Dwarf, but it was something very similar to it. And it was, was written it by the same, same people. Yeah, might have to check that out. But um, that that's the big thing for me is is the radio stuff. When um, we took our break for Sarcastic Voyage uh, last summer, um, I seriously was trying to figure out what to do with the show. Like it was feeling a little stale to me. I wanted to do something different, and so I started listening to a lot of different comedy to try and see, you know, what can you do with audio? What what what's possible? And the thing that really made an impact on me was uh, Mitchell. It's called that Mitchell and Webb Sound was the was the radio version. And it's uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb, they're these two uh, British comedians who've been working together for years. And they did I, – I, at this point, you think, okay, sketch comedy is kind of stale. There's really not much more you can do with it. And they didn't do anything revolutionary exactly. It was just such good writing that 
it didn't matter. It sort of transcended, okay, well, this, you know, the medium's not done yet. You can still make it funny. And it really made it, you know, I was, I was on vacation and listening to all these and I just, I, I didn't want to stop. Like I didn't want it to be over. It was so good. And that's kind of what I'm, you know, I mean, not, I'm not trying to copy them, but that's what I'm aspiring to as far as, you know, just two guys writing a really good sketch show. Yeah. Um, we don't have just, that here. We don't have anything like that. No, you that. don't really have. Well, ske- sketch show, and it's very expensive as well. Is it? Well, not maybe not on the radio, but, uh, you know, on TV, it, it, obviously, because you've got, like, minute, two-minute sketches. Right. And you have to pay for costumes and everything within that. I suppose that's true, yeah. So that's maybe why they use a lot of things again, you know, characters and situations, because... It's cheaper. It's, it's cheaper than... Yeah, that makes sense. But it, but as far as the the whole mechanism of radio, I mean, you have how many how many BBC radio stations are there? Oh, seven. Really? So you have you have all that air to fill all the time, and it's it's state funded. So you really can can get away with experimenting with with all kinds of crazy things. You have panel shows and sketch shows and news <laughs> and all that sort of thing. But yeah, they're normally on one of them, either two or four. Mm-hmm. Would be like. Uh, panel shows and, and comedy shows and right. dramas and things like that. And we just don't have anything like that here. We have NPR, which I just cannot get into. It's so terribly smug. It's that's the, the that's the only thing sort of like that we have here. And there's only one of them. And it it clearly has a political agenda, which isn't even one that I disagree with a lot of the time. But it's so just obvious about it. And it's so, I don't, they just sort of assume, I, there's no variety. It seems like it, all of the programming appeals to one kind of person and that's it. This is another reason I like BBC, even just for news, because mm-hmm. you're not, you're not having it through a filter. You're just getting what's happening. Well, and, and the BBC is, is, I don't think it's out of line to say, you know, famous around the world for being one of the most reputable news organizations there are. And, no, I, well, I do. You, you do hear that a lot. Yeah, and uh, I, I could just be because here in America we trust an English accent, but <laughs> <laughs> so I can say anything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why you guys get away with saying "cunt" all the time. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> I say it, and it's awful, but uh, you know you can get away with it. Um, but no, I I think um, I, I think you're getting into a weird sort of. Well, you know, should radio be socialized? And I don't, I don't know about all that, but I do think radio here is is here to play music, and it's really only here to play the top ten songs, and that's it. There, you know, as far as talk radio goes, you have crazy political people yelling, you have crazy religious people yelling, and that's basically all. Yeah, it would be like that. You would have well, you wouldn't. Well, you have talk radio, but that's more about sports and things, sports and, and politics, and sports, sometimes sports, religion. Yeah. And then there's music channels, but I mean, BBC, I think BBC would be the only one that that are actually making programs on radio, Which, but I'm glad they are because, I mean, I really have noticed them a lot in the last couple of years. Well, and like I said, that that one particular one really influenced, like, you know, it it really made an impact on me, but there's so much good stuff out there and I, I have a bunch that I listen to. I have a big pile that I haven't listened to yet. You just continue making good stuff. And it's just because the way it's structured, we don't have anything like that. I mean, I guess, I guess podcasts are getting to that point because now we have a situation where the, you know, the, the, the tools of production are in hand, the hands of the workers, so to speak. You know, I mean, you can, you know, 
you can make whatever you like, but it's it's not exactly the same. Not yeah. Well, and there's, and there's just so many podcasts now. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just looking around at people I know, including myself. I was going to say that everyone we know has one, and some of us have more than one. And yeah, <laughs> that's why I got quiet there. I was like, well, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite <laughs> complaining about that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> between, I think between the two of us, we put out, you know, 12 or 13 of them a month. So uh, yeah, we're definitely part of the problem there. Uh, but no, I, I think as, as far as creating new and original and experimental material, I think podcasting is pretty much all there is here. Whereas there, if you, I mean, how does that work? Like, what if, what if, for instance, hypothetically, you and Gav wanted to try to take drunken time travel to BBC Radio? How would that even work? You know, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Like, is there a mechanism by which you can audition or send someone a, well, I guess you, not a tape. Oh, I think, I think you can, like, send scripts and audition tapes and things like that, too. There's, like, I'm sure it's quite easy to find an address at BBC. Right. And I'm not even saying you guys would want to do that. I'm just curious. I'm not sure they want us drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, just, I assume that was more acceptable over there. I'm sure it's fine, but not with us. Yeah, well, all right, then. <laughs> I mean, they could buy your beer. They could find your fancy beers that you might not have access to. That's, and, you know. and then they'll see how much is saved in editing. <laughs> oh, editing. The show's three hours long. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm just, because, I mean, most of the most of the people that I really admire and respect seem to have come through your more prestigious universities, like, you know, Cambridge, Oxford, that sort of thing. I mean, that's where the Pythons came from, and that's where Fry and Laurie came from, and that's where Mitchell and Webb came from. It seems yeah. like the, you know... The smarter comedians, you know, go so to university and then be, become comedians, like these comedy clubs and right. things like that. And they have they have footlights at Cambridge, I know, and things like that. And it just is it is is it is it as exclusionary as it seems? Do you have to be you know university educated to? to no, get into I, I would say a lot of people who you know already meet and already do things mm -hmm. like Pythons and uh, and Mitchell and Webb, they would have met through. Uh, you know, university and things like that. Whereas, all, like other more, shall we say, working class mm -hmm. uh, comedians, they would probably come up through, uh, you know, stand up comedy. Right. You know, doing the circuits and things like that. And then, you know, and the Edinburgh Festival and get noticed there. Oh, and yeah. I've then heard, have their I've own shows and that kind of thing. I've heard um, the, the uh, Chris Hardwick, the host of the Nerdist podcast, talks about the, the huge differences between the way stand up works in. Uh, in the UK and the way it works here, apparently you guys are a lot more hostile to the performers. <laughs> Would there not really be heckling or anything like that? In we we in have the occasional heckle. I'm sure you've seen stand up, you know, stand up videos and specials of of American comedians that you like. I mean, yeah, you don't oh, see I it a lot. Usually, in the course of like a one hour special, you'd see a, a stand up comic deal with a, a heckler once. Like that, that seems to be the sort of the you know, during his special, you get one guy and that's it. It's probably the same here, but huh. I would say in the smaller venues, it's a lot more, uh, you know, difficult because you've got, because smaller venues, people feel, think they can obviously talk right. and be heard by everyone. But then if you're playing like 
big concert halls and things like that, so it'd be, be a bit more in- intimidating. Well, that and if you're if you're going to a concert hall, you're probably there specifically to see that performer. Whereas, yeah, if you're in well, a club, you're probably there to drink. And there's oh, there's a comedian also. Well, that's true. Billy Connolly was saying, I mean, you're paying a bit more. You've had, you've had a bath. You know, you're not really <laughs> going to be wanting to heckle people, right? Whereas the, the, the you know, if it's smaller venues, then you, you know, it's it's smaller venues. You've got people there, as you say, drinking and probably wanting to make a name for themselves. Well, and probably people there just you know, not even there for the comedy, just there because they're out. And there happens to be a show, you know, happening, but that's not, you know, that's not the primary reason they came. No. Well, if you go to pay in, you, you're obviously there to see the person, but well, otherwise right. you're just there. <laughs> you're, not, you're not losing anything. Right. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm, maybe it's just that Hardwick isn't any good. <laughs> and they yell at him <laughs> because he sucks. No. Um, well, did he, did he do it at the Edinburgh Festival or? He talked, he talked about that. I think he did that one year, but he was talking more about, cause he's over there now. They have a, uh, Nerdist, um, TV show. It's on BBC America, which I don't really understand. Um, no, I don't, I've seen the first one, which is 20, 20 odd minutes long. Is it any good? Uh, yes, it's not bad. But the next one's 40, you know, it's, it's like gone up to the 43 minute uh-huh. mark. So I'm not, uh, which I'm not over sure. Here would be an hour like, long I think, I think it's, it's it, just from what I've seen, it's enough for that, that length. I don't know how I could deal with it being, you know, a double episode. Right. Well, like I, I listened to his, um, cause he was, he was over there. I, I don't know if he shoots everything over there, but, uh, he shot his, um, interview with David Tennant, which was on his show recently. And it's, uh, you could hear the, the TV people, I guess they were filming it as well. So I don't know if he just goes over there to interview British people or if he's over there all the time. I don't, I, I don't know. It's very strange mm-hmm. because he's from here, but it's on BBC America and he goes over there. I don't know. <laughs> In any case, maybe, he spends maybe, time maybe over there. Maybe so. can get on. What's that? It's probably the only, maybe it's the only place that will well, get wonder, on TV. I kind of wonder if BBC America hasn't realized that their primary audience here is nerds. Because maybe, maybe he's been putting on an English accent and pretending <laughs> to them he's English, but then they have to leave during the recording. That could be. Although, you know, then Matt and I could do that too, because we do flawless English accents, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... No, I'm there's, just, I'm, there's a Nick and Willigans here to want to make a sketch show. <laughs> Send them in. <laughs> what? Um, I can't see what could possibly go wrong. No, that would be fantastic. Um, no, I'm I'm trying to think. Um, BBC America, like their their biggest thing over here, I believe, is uh, Doctor Who, and the, you know they seem to get the the biggest ratings for nerd things. So maybe they're just they're abandoning the whole pretense of. We're just going to show you the best of British television, and instead they're just now we're just pandering to the nerds. Well, it it does seem to be there's does seem to be a lot of things that uh, which I don't know why they don't show, show QI for that matter if, there's, if they're pandering to the nerds. The the official reason is that it uh, the the background images that they use the BBC pays to license all that stuff, and other broadcast organizations don't. And it would cost way too much to use, you know, like when, when they have the screen behind them yeah. pop up with an image, that stuff all belongs to somebody and BBC's paid up on that, but other networks aren't. I think that sounds like crap to me, but, but that's well, the surely with reason. the new series, they could uh, start working it out from then, you know, yeah, going forward, just make it, you know, put it, I don't know, put a blue screen in there so you can, you can change the image yeah. or something. 
and then you can you can sell it to America. You would think. I, I know. I would love to see a show like that. And for those of you, I know I've ranted about this on on the show before. But for those of you who haven't heard of IQI, it's uh, hosted by Stephen Fry. It's basically how would you even describe it? It's it's framed as a quiz show, but it's not really like it's a it's a panel discussion show. Sort of. With, I mean, it, there's clearly comedy. a there's clearly. <laughs> Stephen Fry is more than a moderator. Like a, a, a discussion show to me implies that everyone has an equal say. Stephen oh, yes. Fry is definitely leading the, the discussion. But I'm but, but sure. they, they, they talk about quite interesting things. Yeah, it's, it's hence, hence the title. <laughs> well, it's trivial, like, and they talk about strange, sort of off the walls. A, a lot of what they do is challenging, uh, you know, uh, commonly held knowledge like things that you think are true that aren't yes and, and then they, they and then they challenge that the, the one thing that they said the next yeah series. in a subsequent series then they'll uh, correct themselves <laughs> famously the one that i always start everyone off with is it's it's in the very first series and it's like episode two or three it's the first one that uh, the american comedian rich hall is in and um the question is how many moons are there <laughs> yes and they buzz in and say one, and and the the klaxons sign sound off these horrible alarms sound when you get the wrong answer. Uh, when when you answer the obvious thing that isn't correct, um, and what they said is that no, there are two moons. There's a there's a large asteroid called Kruithni that is that counts as another moon. And then in a in a later series, they said no, that's that's actually not true. We're wrong. I'm waiting for them to uh, <laughs> to correct that now. <laughs> Yeah, there well, are actually three moons now. <laughs> That's no moon. <laughs> but what's great is um, th that episode continued on, and then they asked some other question about uh, you know, how how long would it be to get to the moon, or you know, something to do with the moon. And Rich Hall buzzed in and just totally horrible, sarcastic, deadpan, just says, "Which moon?" Just like angry. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have been in the one where. They, they corrected, corrected themselves. Well, I think they try to do that. They try to get the people back to to reissue them points if they lost points or something like that. Because I watched one recently where uh, Dara O'Brien had uh, had answered something, and they said uh, we we have to dock some points that we took that we gave to you in the last series. Yes, because <laughs> it turns out that they were wrong. But uh, the the whole thing about that show, like on the one hand. They have these really smart people and Stephen Fry reading all this great information. But then you have a group of four comedians, and it's almost always comedians. Sometimes they'll mix in other types of celebrities. Um, there's one permanent guy and then three sort of rotating people. And it's just such a great way to present, on the one hand, interesting information, but on the other hand, just good comedy. And I would love to see a show like that here. Because I think we have a pool of comedians that that would work really well in that format. I'm surprised they don't even. Well, I was going to say, I'm surprised they don't even make one. You know, like an QI American version. in America, but I don't know if that would work. See, I don't know. I think if you if it was in the right, I hands, think Hodgman would do it. Yeah, John Hodgman would be a great fit for that. He was he was in an episode, but it was like he just showed up and they pulled up a fifth chair, and it was kind of strange. But I think he would he would work. I think it, there's a whole breed of sort of. I almost want to say British influenced, but even just intelligent comics, like nerd comics, just guys like uh, Patton Oswalt or like um, now I'm drawing a blank. But there there are, you know, there are that same level of of 
interesting, intelligent, and funny people that I think would work just as well there as, uh, or here as would there. Yeah. Well, and they've got, and well, you've got the people from whose line, I mean, whose line was able to cross over quite easily. That's true. But, but I mean, well, you've got Rich Hall, you, you could have Rich Hall in it. Rich Hall, I, I'm guessing he lives over there because mm. he shows up in every series of QI. I can't imagine he just flies over for that and goes home again. It's possible, but I thought I had heard that he had a show on in the BBC or something. He has a thing on BBC Four every now and then, just sort of it's like a one-off thing, talking about America and movies and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He he's a good fit there, I think, because he gives that sort of American perspective, but he still fits with their sense, you know, sensibilities. There's um, there's another comedian, American comedian, uh, black guy. Can't think of his name now, but he's oh, he's, oh, oh yes. He's, he he got a deep voice like this. Yeah. Yes, very. Uh, no, don't know who he is. Uh, uh, I know who he is, but I can't remember his name. He, but he's a good contrast. He's, he's, yeah, he's he's just so he's just really quite funny. And it's so strange because you know the, the the standard. I mean, not everyone is like this, but you get your standard sort of polite English. You know, like oh, I'm I'm terribly sorry that sort of thing. I mean, I know you're not all like that, but <laughs> there's a I'm certain polite. way you carry yourself on a on a panel show. <laughs> That this guy just doesn't do, and it's a, it's a strange. Con Whenever he speaks up, it's just so sort of stark and just abrupt, and like, whoa, okay, that was that was good. Of course, then you have Johnny Vegas, who's just uh. yes. I imagine everyone. I, I imagine the the entire United <laughs> Kingdom collectively pinching the bridge of the nose and going, ah. Oh. When when they yeah, you don't really it. see him on it that too much now. Uh, not not. He might have been no. Or if he is, he's not drunk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he, is he? Has he cleaned up or something? Is that? Well, he just doesn't seem to be. You know. Well, he used to like drink. As I think spastic. he like drank uh, during the <laughs> or oh. just before performances and things. I don't think. I don't know if he's cleaned up, but he just doesn't seem to be as drunk anymore. Huh. Well, it is interesting because that shows in what it's it's, it's seventh or eighth series now, and um, it's interesting seeing because they have a lot of the same people, but they've really evolved over the years. David Mitchell's probably lost thirty pounds. <laughs> And same with uh, Stephen Fry. Yeah, and same with uh, Phil Jupiter. Looks like an entirely different person now. Yes. <laughs> like he's actually looking good. Like looking at him the, the, the last time, like he's a good looking guy when he's not, you know, <laughs> 300 pounds and wheezing. <laughs> but no, Stephen Fry as well, you're right. But he doesn't look, he just looks weird when he's really thin. Yeah, he's, he, uh, Alan Davies is getting noticeably older now too, I think. Like watching the most recent series, he's starting to go gray, he's starting to get some bags under his eyes. Like they, that's strange to me because he he just seems like one of those timeless sort of you know, like he's always going to be there. Just always think he's going to be in, yeah in his twenties. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's that's another thing that I've noticed because following like I started watching QI and then I'm sure because you recommended it to me because that's how I come across most things from from over there, um, but I started realizing there were certain panelists I quite liked. And so I'd, I'd sort of go off in one direction and follow what they do. And what's interesting to me is how much, how much they do. And I think it must be because just because, I mean, smaller countries, smaller, probably a smaller industry. And uh, there are so many shows and only so many people to be in them, I guess. Yeah, you do see them. 
yeah. know, pop up all the time in different shows. Yeah, you I see. mean that one you watched recent or we watched recently, Christmas Bleak Old Shop of Curiosity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's just so many people in that who, I mean, you, you really couldn't have uh, that uh, Kevin Bacon game here. <laughs> no, because everybody's in everything, and every time I I find a new panel show, it's like all the same people. Only now this guy's hosting instead. Like mm-hmm. I, the other day I saw apparently Sean Locke hosts one of those. So it's just like. One of the QI guys just moves to the middle chair, and the other people show up as panelists. Yeah, it's Sean Locke, who uh, was like a host type thing on uh, the Radio Museum of Curiosity. That's the one, yeah. And he's also a team captain on Eight Out of Ten Cats. That see, <laughs> with a lot of people, but they have like quote unquote celebrities on it as well. Well, like because like David Mitchell, he's he hosts. Like two or three radio series, two or three TV series. Then he does that sketch show. Then he's regularly on QI. Like he, you know, just as as one example. I just started watching. Um, what was it? The Bubble that he did, which was it was all right. But what was that? Um, they take uh, several familiar panelists, uh, they, three at a time, oh, and, and, and they, they lock them in a house for a week. Minute. Yes, yes. Yeah, and they, that only, I think that only lasted for like a series or. Like oh, it hasn't been picked up for another. No, well, it was. It I was quite like it was quite interesting to it, see what people thought. Yeah, it was, they would lock them in a house for a week without any access to the internet or, or TV or anything, and then they would quiz them on current events. And it was it was funny seeing you know like because they would they would obviously feed in real strange um, news stories as well as you know some fake ones and they'd have to pick out which ones were, were right. And, uh, it wasn't bad. I, I, the, the one I really liked was, uh, where, uh, Robert Webb was one of the guests. Just, they did a lot of, <laughs> they did a lot of, he was locked in the house for a week and he missed David and you know, just <laughs> a lot of stuff based on the fact that they worked together all the time, which I thought was funny, <laughs> but it wasn't so much inherent in the show. It was just because those two have good chemistry together. Yeah, like I say, most of the people I like. Oh, looking at Stephen Fry, I spent my entire Christmas break watching things with Stephen Fry in them, and I didn't run out of things to watch. He's just—he's all over the place. Uh, have you? St- did you watch the thing with uh, called "I Don't Like Star Wars"? No, I heard about that, but I haven't actually seen that. Is it it's basically good? a series where people have to do three things that are kind of that they haven't done that are outside their comfort zone i would say huh. but yeah it was actually quite good joe brand who you might know from qi yeah i do know from pres- presents the show yes we only have three people here <laughs> but see that's the thing over here you get someone who gets tied up in a show that has seven thousand episodes and that's all that i mean look at somebody like steve carell who he was in a movie from time to time but he w- he just was in the office forever and i could see him wanting to go like look i'm i'm getting old and I need to do other things. Yeah. It's why I can't understand why people, like when they're making Doctor Who, mm-hmm. which is 13 episodes, mm-hmm. and it takes so much of the year, and they want to leave because, you know, they want to do other things. But over there, it seems common that you just do so many other things at the same time. Mm. It just seems to take about the same amount of time to make 13 as over there for 22 or whatever. I don't know. Okay. We have we have some of our more high profile shows now only do thirteen. Like it started with sort of the Sopranos and the various HBO shows, and now you get yes, like Mad Men and Breaking time. Bad. Those and shows only do thirteen. It's what's I, apparently that came from 
52 weeks in a year, so a season used to be 26 because that's half, and you would show them and then you would rerun them, and that would be a year filled. And then they've since split that into 30. That's where that number comes from. It seems arbitrary, oh, but but that's that's why 13. Um, but no, you look at even shows like Breaking Bad or Mad Men, you don't see those people. Like, they'll do a movie, but you don't see, say, Brian Cranston, you know, running around being in 30 TV shows while Breaking Bad's off. Yeah, or panel shows or sketch shows. Well, we don't have those, so... I, I was going to say John Hamm, but John Hamm has made the round. Like, that guy stays busy. He was on SNL. He's done a lot of internet stuff. He's been in a million podcasts that I listen to. Like, And he was on uh, 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I guess we do have some people like that. I don't know. Those are the people that I admire. Those are basically, like, that's the same approach I have, which is I have a finite amount of time that I can be entertaining and I want to use as much of it that I can, which I'm sorry. I know I'm violating the code of gaps there, but, uh, <laughs> well, basically I have to do it all now so that I don't have to later. You're just saving up for your retirement. Yes. And then I can lie around and do nothing and say, wow, remember when I tried to be funny? <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, ah, comedy. Um, <laughs> Had to work that That's in there. Much what you could call the episode. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of, I thought I had one other major thing that I wanted to hit on. Really the, the difference between the two is, is the main thing that I'm, that I find fascinating because we've been talking a lot about the British side of things and how, you know, how you seem to make better stuff and, and smaller, but I think maybe we should look at the other side of it now. Like obviously a lot of American shows do well over there. And I know you watch, just you know most of the same stuff that i watch so i mean is that is it is it popular over there is is i mean apart from the simpsons or do our things do well over there i say house is popular well that doesn't count but then that's the same over there isn't it <laughs> yeah and also uh, i one of the things that i watched with Stephen fry and it actually was the uh the fry and laurie reunion that they did recently and uh, they were talking about how house is one of the most popular shows in the world mm. and i really like, I mean, I watch it. It's all right. But uh, I really, really, really want Stephen Fry to be in-house. That would be amazing. I I and don't think he could do the same sort of fake American accent that Hugh Laurie does, though. <laughs> no. But he was in uh, Bones. Oh, that's true. Which, Did he play a, an American? No, he played a – I think he played a British psychologist or something ah, like well. The thing is, I've heard him do lots of different, you know – different types of British accents, but I can't, I just, every time I've heard him do an American, he's just not very good. No, I, yes, I've heard him on the, on the Fry and Laurie sketch show. I'm just remembering right. now. <laughs> but I mean, Hugh Laurie now, I mean, there are people who don't realize that he's not American. He's, you know, he's been doing it for so long. But it is quite, it is pretty good at it. Yeah. You know, it's very specific. Was it a Chicago accent? Is it? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's American to me. <laughs> but the, the thing is, we we do have regional accents, but I don't think it's as defined as there. Like I I have an American accent, but I don't know that it it belongs to any you know geographic area. I just sound American. I think it's because it's such a smaller country here. You know, smaller changes would be more pronounced. Yeah, that makes sense. And because you're an older country, there was a lot, you had a lot longer time without mass communication. You know, mass communication has sort of made everyone have the same accent because you hear 
pretty much from birth the way certain people talk and you mimic that and that sort of thing. And whereas a country that's more than a thousand years old, obviously you kind of set in your ways sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. I don't know. I just pulled that out of my ass. I don't know. Oh, excellent. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm just curious about because I've, I've been fawning over all this BBC stuff, but surely, I mean, I know, I feel like we're in kind of a golden age here where we're making, I think it's because cable, there's a lot more competition and people are really competing for, for audiences and there's more good TV on now than there ever has been at any one time, I think. And I'm hoping well, you guys get well, that as well. Well, yeah, there's a lo- oh, there's loads of shows that uh, we acquire that are. <laughs> but that's the thing. I know you and I both sort of don't have full access to the other country's stuff, and maybe don't always acquire it legally. I'm curious if if uh, things are like mainstream popular over there. Like, there's a lot of things you watch that I don't know if all people in England are watching. You know what I mean? I don't. Th- I can't think of anything. You know, that's. Big uh, American things would be big on, you know, the, the five channels. Mm-hmm. Well, like, uh, for instance, Mad Men. Do you guys get that show? Mad Men's on, I think, BBC Two or Three. But, so, but it wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be a big, uh, it wouldn't be a big hit or anything like that. Really? But famously, I remember Seinfeld. You know, it was huge in America. But uh-huh. then over here, I just, no one seemed to get it. I can see that. There is a very American no. sensibility to that. And show. it didn't seem to get any ratings, and it always ended up on BBC Two late at night. <laughs> no, I, I can see that. There's certain things I can look at, and I can say I understand why that has an appeal there. And I can Seinfeld is very American, and it's very New York, really. Like, I, and but what I mean by that is very Jewish. My dad would watch that show and say, <laughs> "Oh, that's the Jew show." And my dad's not even an anti-Semite or anything, but it's like, well, well I, I guess you're right. It, it does seem uh, that kind of thing is is bigger in America than it would be here. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, a lot of Jews didn't leave in the middle of the war to go to you know Croydon, did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and and the other thing is, I I think I'm I'm really surprised that show was popular here anyway, because it was so unusual and it was so it was so mean in that regard. It is a bit English because. That was the first American show I can think of where the the characters just were completely bastards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and they did nothing. No, and they were, <laughs> but they were totally self absorbed, and they were completely motivated by by self interest and nothing else. Yeah, and you see that a lot on English TV, but you don't really see that. I mean, you see it more now. But it's kind of like uh, Community and Arrested Development. It's, it, but for some reason, that one was popular. Was Was Arrested Development popular over there? Like, did it have the same sort of cult following that we have here? No, not really. Ah, uh, that's too I bad. can't. I don't. I can't even tell you when it was on TV over here. Right. Well, I mean, we had that same problem, but they kept moving it and <laughs> that sort of thing. But oh no, it's on a, one of the FX channels, I think. Because that seems but, like a show that that you guys would completely appreciate. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of people probably would, but I just don't think it's now. It hasn't been shown on like any of the big channels. Huh. So what what American shows are big over there? I mean, good ones. Not. I mean, I'm sure you probably like. I don't know, Desperate Housewives or something. But what, <laughs> like, what that we make is you know gets attention over there. Anything apart from House, House, Desperate Housewives, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. It's it's, it's not very good reading. 
I mean, I, um, I, I just assume... I know that there's Breaking Bad and mm-hmm. Dexter and things like that, but I can't really think of anything that's like that that's shown on Room. Was that big at the time? Cause it was, cause that it was a been co-production BBC. with BBC. Yeah, so it would have been on BBC. Right. I remember that being quite popular. Well... Or vaguely popular. What about what about but, the HBO shows? What about, like, uh, Sopranos and Deadwood and... Uh, uh, well, I know The Wire was big over there. Well, it did seem to be bigger over here than it was over there because it was on BBC Two here, mm-hmm. like like late at night. Uh, but yeah, and obviously, uh, Sopranos did seem to be quite quite big over here. You well, know, to like, me, and like I don't, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a TV scholar or anything, but it seems to me the Sopranos was sort of the first show in that wave where TV drama has changed and we've gotten different, and there's more of a sort of a cinematic sensibility to it now. And so it seems like that was a really big deal here because it was the first show that kind of moved TV into what it is now, I think. And so I would think it would get attention over there as well. Yeah, it was around about the time when TV started becoming more interesting than movies. Right, exactly. And and people started, ta- you know, like that was around the time things started changing and it wasn't such a stigma for a, a movie actor to be on television anymore. Like for a long, yeah. for the longest time, it was like if you if you stop making movies and went to television, it's because you failed somehow, and it's not really seen like that anymore. Yeah, quite the opposite. In fact, you, you, I mean, you've got like Hugh Laurie in house. He's yeah, one of the highest paid actors in America. Or if you he's, look at he's appearing in a TV series. Or if you look at somebody like Alec Baldwin, I mean, you know, tell Alec Baldwin ten, fifteen years ago, you're you know. Your biggest thing that you're going to be remembered for is is on a sitcom. You know, he would have laughed. But now I just, I mean, he was in movies, really. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so much better as uh, as Jack Donaghy. I just don't care. I know, and I can't even believe he wants to leave. Yeah, well, apparently, for, according to Tina Fey, he always says that. <laughs> she she says that's some kind of a strange drunken Irish negotiating tactic or something. <laughs> Oh, that would be... I, I'd pay to see that if he was, <laughs> if he was drunk in the negotiations. <sighs> demanding to play his, his Angry Bird. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. I don't know if I could do that voice and a drunk voice at the same time. That's hard. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, so, yeah, well, what about our comedies? Like, what about... Um, well, I mean, community's sort of a, a cult thing everywhere, I would imagine. I can't imagine that's hugely popular over there. But what about, like, 30 Rock or even... Friends was hugely popular here. Really? Wasn't that based on an English show? Wasn't no. that Coupling? No, Coupling was after Friends. Really? But it wasn't based on Friends. Oh, I thought those shows. In were- fact, they in fact they remade Coupling in America. <laughs> that always goes well. Try and get your head around that. I kind of yeah. Office is the only thing I can think of that they made from over here that that actually was any you know quite popular. And the thing about that is the thing, the reason that worked for me is because they did eventually, like they started at exactly the same place. The pilot, apparently the pilot uh, scripts were almost identical apart from changing the names. And then they gradually just made it more us. Yeah. And the characters, I think the script was identical, but then you've got the characters, which are slightly different. Right. So you go off in different directions, which you'd expect from different cultures. Of course. But I, I think it also helps that Ricky Gervais was, you know, involved with that. He didn't yes, just sell it and leave, you know. I mean, he's still maintaining being an executive producer on it, isn't he? Yeah, 
which which is that's that's one way to make sure your baby's being taken care of of course hasn't he done that in many countries isn't there like an indian version and like a i don't know oh there are it's all over the world i think there's and, a there's like, an Israeli version. There's and these are all legitimately licensed through him. Like they're not just knockoffs. Yeah. He's probably got all the money in China now. <laughs> and now, ironic since there's not a China one. <laughs> well, they won't allow it. Um, <laughs> they don't allow workers. <laughs> he um and and then you know he's got all the money. He's got more money than God. Then and all he does is uh, come over here to insult celebrities. So. Uh, Good More for power him. Too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was interesting to me watching that um, HBO did that one-off special. Uh, was it Talking Funny? Oh yes, which that was, was good. Louis C.K. and Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock and Ricky Gervais, and they they talked about stand-up for an hour or whatever. And I didn't realize that Ricky Gervais was just basically the luckiest jerk in the world. <laughs> he wrote an excellent show that turned into a huge hit, which then led to other things and like he never had to come up the hard way like the rest of them did no and uh, that's how he got how was he how he st- i mean people started and stand up to get their way in but he's sure. his his was the exact opposite he got yeah, his way he in and then some stand up yeah and and it's funny watching those guys react to him because they've all honed their act for 20 years or 30 years or whatever and he's and his his uh his attitude is I'll just say what I want I don't care I don't need to make the audience laugh I'm there for me. Like wow really well I guess <laughs> I guess you can have I guess you can afford to have that attitude because they're and there to did, see him. Uh, it reminds me he did another show where he went and met like his comedy uh, the people he thinks are comedy geniuses like oh, really? uh, Larry David and uh, what do you call him Larry Sanders. Ah. Uh, Gary, Gary Shandling. Shandling. Yes, yeah. he met him. Oh, so was uh, it like you, another like a uh, uh, multi-person? Like it's like a panel show. Well, it was just well, it was just him. It was like a few shows. It was just him meets one of them, goes uh, around to their house, sort of chats to them for a bit, and things. That would be cool. I I wouldn't mind checking that out. He, Apparently, he, the Gary Shandling one was quite awkward. Well, Shandling <laughs> and actually Larry David as well both seem very English to me. Very like comedy of the awkward kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> Like, that's the reason I couldn't get into the British office. It was just a little too awkward for me. And I think, like, Larry David does that same kind of thing. Yes, is well, more so, I would say. I would say. Uh, it's about the same, I, w- I think. But uh, it makes me cringe less. I'll just say that. Like, the British <laughs> office, really, I got to the second episode and I, I had to turn it off. I just felt awful <laughs> for everyone. I just, like, was blushing and just, oh, God. <laughs> Stop it. And I'm not usually so, like So we can never have Laura watch it then. <laughs> well, see, I don't know. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but but I, I Chandling kind of does that sort of thing too, but... Uh, yes, he did that with uh, Larry Sanders to a certain extent. Yeah, uh, the character of Hank was very much like, make you cringe. Like, stop it. Stop it's hard to believe that. And then he, that was him, and then he went on to be in Arrested Development. Yeah, that guy's fantastic. That guy, like, he's a total comedy chameleon. Like, every time he shows up in something else, he's a completely different kind of character. He's great. Um, but I'm trying to think, like, so how how do British audiences react to our version of The Office? Is that is it even a thing over there? or does it-, <clears throat> it is shown over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's on like an obscure channel, mm-hmm. but 
and so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be hugely popular. But there, are, there's a lot of people that do watch it and think it's funny. Well, because I know there. I mean, I still like it. I mean, it's sufficiently different. Yeah. At least they did something different with it. You there, know, there just, are people here it. who are sort of comedy snobs who are like, "Oh, well, the British one's the only one, and the American one watered it down." And like, eh, no, I don't think so. No, it's a completely different show. It's not. I mean, it's. I mean, the, the British one would be has to, to paint it with a. Uh, I have no idea what to talk about. The, the British one would be awkward, and the American one would it, it would be a different kind of comedy, right? And it would be more laugh at the laughing at the stupid boss, really, wouldn't it? You know, he, he's a figure of fun rather than you know him being offensive and awkward to people, right? I don't know. I um, like I like I was saying starting out. I don't know if there's such an inherent difference between. English or British sensibilities and, and American sensibilities anymore. Like, uh, okay, The Office, yeah, you're, it is a different kind of comedy. But the fact is, I think we can appreciate the kind more the kind of humor that sort of started over there. You know, I I don't think there's as much of a difference anymore. Like I was saying before, I think a lot of a lot of people writing comedy now sort of came up on Python and that sort of thing. And like, I, I don't think there's as much of a difference now as there used to be. No. And and then people now are growing up with Python, Seinfeld even, and Simpsons. So you've got they've got a, like a bit of a mix there. Absolutely, but I think I think a lot of it starts with. I mean, I know Python had people before them who did, you know, like the goons and that and all that. Yeah. But but Python's really to me where sort of modern comedy starts, and then from that, like Saturday Night Live was directly influenced by that, and then from there different things happened and, and so on and so on. But I think, you know, I think Python is where it sort of changed. And from what I understand, that show Flying Circus was initially more popular over here in sort of a cult way than it was over there. Am I, is that, is that correct? Or am I remembering? I could wrong? believe that. I don't think, I think it sort of took, took a few years to grow to cult because I don't think they really treated, knew how to treat it. Right. Did this uh, sitcom or a sketch show that they didn't really? It just was just because it was so new. Yeah, and and where I've seen enough history of you know, like I know there were other shows that those guys worked on, and there were similar things. You know, there just there wasn't anything quite like it before. And I th I know because, particularly because they did a lot of fake outs where you would think you were watching one thing, and then it would yes. turn into something else. And I imagine there were a lot of very angry. British viewers at the time. Dear sir. <laughs> Deceased. <laughs> but still, I mean, that stuff stands up is the thing. It doesn't feel, I guess that's the difference. Like I tried to go back and listen to some of the old goon stuff. And I tried to watch some of the things that the Python guys say are their influences. And I think going back to Python is about as far back as I can go where it doesn't feel old. Like it still feels sort of timeless to me. Some of the Hancock, Tony Hancock stuff is quite good. Mm, I don't know. I think, but I think that's from around the same sort of time, 60s. Mm. It was, he did a radio show and then did a uh, TV one, black and white, that was based on his radio show. Ah, okay. Uh, but then you've got like stuff in America for uh, Marx Brothers. Right. Well, that, but I mean, for me personally, that's pretty much the only thing that doesn't completely, like most of the other stuff from that era also feels very old to me. Apart mm -hmm. from the Marx Brothers, like that, that yeah, feels it just, more or less time. Because I was just watching it on New Year's Eve and it just feels so, 
I mean, it's just bizarre that it was made in the 1930s and it's still standing up uh, 80 years later. Yeah. that's what, what, what did you watch? Do you remember what movie? Horse Feathers. Ah, nice. Excellent choice. I th- Those ones, though, because, the, you know, you'd have some great um, – you'd have some really great uh, comedy stuff, which they apparently would perform on the road for months and months and months and then decide which ones were the best ones and then sort of write those into a movie. Um I, I always love those parts, but the you know then you cut away to the song. Yes, <laughs> I don't like. I, I can't be bothered with the singing. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I really have such a such a distaste for musicals now is because they they always interrupt the comedy in a, in a Marx Brothers film. <laughs> Although Cheek was a very good piano player. Oh no, the the bits where but he would play the piano or even sometimes harp. As long as it's amusing, yeah, I don't mind that. But yeah, no, but the singing. But I can't be bothered with a woman singing and no. When Zeppo yeah. would sing about how much he loves the blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> although Brian was telling me the other day, apparently there was a lot of um, there's a lot of mockery in those bits as well. Like when, especially when you had, I guess Zeppo singing he was he was sort of mocking the um the romantic leads of the time but i, I guess those references are kind of lost on us now yeah it would be it would be there but it would be lost but the rest of it still stands up yeah the wordplay and the and the even the slapstick just completely yep. it's like i mean you could have made that yesterday yes absolutely oh, only and, in color and that's the thing uh, did you see they're doing a um <laughs> they're doing a three stooges movie i've never been a stooges fan personally but the, uh, yes, the, the, the people behind Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, the Farrelly brothers. And yes, that's him. Um, I saw the trailer, and like I say, I'm, I'm not really a fan, but it looks exactly the same. Oh, I could believe that. Like they, <laughs> that's they, all their movies were. But I mean, I, I I kind of admire that in a way. Like again, I don't think they're bad. They just were never really my thing. A little too much slapstick, and not a you know nothing really clever underneath of it. But I like. That's, I, I, it's almost like they're rebooting it. It's almost like they're doing what they did with Star Trek or, you know, James <laughs> Bond or whatever, where they're just, they're recasting it and they're, they're going to keep going. And it, it feels, it feels the same. It, it looked, it looked impressive. It looked like I was watching the Three Stooges only now. And I wish I liked them because that would have been, uh, that would have been great if I was, if I cared. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, I don't mind a bit of slapstick, but. I don't know if I could do an entire movie, but no. Um, but uh, the, the there was a movie. God, it's probably twenty, thirty years old now. Called uh, Brain Donors. Are you aware of this? I've heard the title. It is. It is written exactly like a Marx Brothers movie. They don't make. They don't explicitly say this is based on the Marx Brothers, but it is so clearly. This guy is Groucho. This guy is Chico. This guy is Harpo. And it's quite good. And there's no singing in it, so. <laughs> more, more comic. No, it's it's very strange because uh, John Turturro's in it, and uh, another actor whose name you would know, but I can't think of him. And it's it's like a Marx Brothers movie made in the late '80s, and it has the exact feel and the exact same kind of humor, and it's quite good. I might actually have to give that a, a look. I think I think if you enjoyed their stuff, you would enjoy that. But what I what a, my larger point is, I like that. Like you were saying, those those sort of the, the basic comedy of it is timeless enough. Yeah, I think it would work. It, it does, does it actually. Now. Yeah, I feel it's very timeless. That well, it is as you said, just wordplay. You know, it's doing a quick, you know, quick fire wordplay. I mean, that's never really going to go out, is it? Well, as long as I mean, because the language does evolve. But you know, as long as you're not doing, you know, 
as long as you're not riffing on on slang that's going to change in ten years, then yeah, I think yeah, uh, or, or who the pre- or the president at the time, right? Exactly. Well, if you just if you just say, "What about those idiots up at Congress?" <laughs> Don't praise the machine. Um, <laughs> no, I think some of my favorite sketch comedy has been like deliberately not topical. I think that's why Python holds up because while they would occasionally make a reference to the the prime minister of the time or whatever, for the most part, they were they were just sort of timeless sketches, and that's why Saturday Night Live doesn't really work for me because like later on because so much of that was topical. Um, but you look at like uh like I I like Kids in the Hall. They they hardly ever did anything like the the clothes and the hair look early nineties, but otherwise you know. I yeah, they, they were very much influenced by Monty Python. Oh, absolutely. I, down, to, down to their dresses. Well, the thing about that is when you watch that on the Comedy Central here, uh, which is, the, I'm, I'm sure you know, the cable channel that, that shows comedy, um, they would only focus on the fact that um, they would only ever mention Dave Foley because he's the only one that did, I guess, a, a high-profile sitcom because he was on news radio. And they would only ever focus on the dresses. So as far as anyone knew, watching the commercials, you were watching the Dave Foley in a dress show. <laughs> There's just so much going on. And uh, coming up next, Dave Foley in a dress. <laughs> That's not even the funny part. No, it's just... They didn't have women in the they group. Just, they, did, they just played it as yeah. straight. And that's, the, I mean, Python would do it for a laugh briefly, but same deal. There were no women in the group. So you might pull out Carol Cleveland from time to time, but... If you want to write a female character, you you know, okay, please put on a dress. Yeah. If it was the older older female character, they always just put on a dress. Yeah. And I, I honestly think it was a lot funnier because they would, you know, it would be a more broad caricature and less trying to, you know, trying to act. Like if you got a, if you got an actual woman to act like an old woman, I think there wouldn't be as much comedy there. I think they would be trying to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it yeah, I see what you mean. It wouldn't. It would just, uh, it wouldn't feel real. Right. Or it would interrupt the comedy. You don't want it to feel real. You want it to be a, a caricature. Hmm. Which, um. Which it was. Yeah, exactly. But I, like I say, I think some of the best stuff, I think that's why The Simpsons, like those, those seasons that you were talking about, was it like seasons, I don't know, five or six through ten or so, somewhere in there. Um. Are, are some of the best because while they would occasionally parody things that were happening for the most part, those are fairly timeless as well. Like, yeah. Not uh, a lot of period specific stuff there. No, it's just, but it is still at that point, I don't want to say real again, but it still deals with the motions of the, of the people in it. Yeah, Whereas but- I think later on it did get a bit. Yeah, um, surreal. Well, yeah, they they ran out of you know. You can only do Marge is well, going to leave Homer so many times. I, I, I was thinking that today. I mean, they did that in the movie, and they had already done it like fifteen times on the show. But uh, that's why they should do a Homer leaves Marge one. <laughs> Brilliant. We should we should get our pitch together twelve right times. <laughs> um, but I but I think like okay, there was one. I can't remember. Which one it was? Oh, it was the um, uh, Seymour Skinner's badass song, um, the one where uh, Principal Skinner gets fired, and um, uh, Bart brings his dog to school. That one, and um, that had some some strange jokes about how the army doesn't do anything, <laughs> which seems sort of quaint Clinton era. Oh, I remember that. 
Like I, I wish the army was just sort of a, a you know, <laughs> drinking beer, not doing anything. Those were the and days. Then, and then I had the jokes of uh, religion in school. Yeah, that's that was that was a little timely, but uh, I mean that that's one of those things that keeps going on. So yeah, I don't think I'll ever be. Yeah. But I mean, that's to me the stuff that endures, the stuff that that really lasts, is the stuff that doesn't pin itself down to to one particular era. And to me, that's that makes the the better comedy. The stuff that I'll keep coming back to is the stuff that does. Ooh, this this feels like nineteen ninety six, doesn't it? You know, like yeah, you don't really like films like uh, Airplane and oh yeah, uh, Naked Gun, the, uh, Police Squad, the TV series. Mm-hmm. They they it could be made at any time, apart from. The sideburns. <laughs> well, I mean, and the thing is, there were specific references there too. But I also think, you know, I think but you probably it wouldn't didn't matter if you didn't get them because yeah, there exactly. were just so many jokes. I, I well, and that's to me what American comedy has done right in the last twenty, thirty years is that density of joke. And I don't know if we started that or if it, if it was influenced by by uh, British stuff or what, but. And it started, it did start with like airplane and that sort of thing, but it, it carried over into the Simpsons and now it's just sort of what we do. Is- I could see it being an American thing, you know, with the, as we were saying earlier about the people, uh, the board of the, the table, table writers, because they are able to pitch jokes. So you've got so many people telling jokes. You can put so many into the, under the script. Yeah, that's true. I'm just, I'm trying to think of if there's anything English that, that even does that. Like, I'm trying to. I seem to recall there was one, I couldn't even tell you the name of it, but there was one where they tried to make a British show in an American type way with, with a team of writers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did it fail miserably? You know, I have a feeling it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. If you watch a show like Police Squad, which was fucking brilliant. Yeah, but not only lasted six episodes. Yeah, because we it, it was ahead of its time. I mean, that's all it is. If you put that show on now, it'd probably do pretty well. Because it it really plays out like The Simpsons. There's there's a hundred jokes and there's stuff going on in the background and there's you know I just don't think TV was quite ready for that yet. Yeah, it, it's a live action Simpsons. Yeah, from the past. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think that might be the, the sort of the, the big thing we've contributed to, to comedy as a whole is, and that's one of my favorite things. That's why I love Arrested Development so much is because there's so many layers. There's so much going on that every time you watch it, you catch something you didn't see the previous time. Yeah, I just finished watching it again myself there. Excellent. And there were so many just things that, that I noticed or didn't notice the first time. Somebody pointed something out uh, on a on a blog that I did not realize, even having just finished it myself this year. Um, when they when whoever trashes the banana stand, I think it's in early season two. There's a there's a uh, spray painted message that says "I get you, Bluth," and at the bottom it says "Hello," like it was signed "Hello." <laughs> And we don't know until the very last episode that that's meant to be Anyang, who has a grudge against the banana stand. And he was, and, and, and he was still able to have the original ending, even though it was like the number of episodes was cut. Back yeah, they had to rush the ending nine or something like that. I think I think they probably just rushed some of the build up because it feels like the last, you know, all the stuff that happened in the last one was everything that they had planned. It just felt like they got there way too quickly. But. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's amazing that that was there 
a full season and a half ahead of time. Of course, Community's doing that even in a more ridiculous way now. Do you know about the Beetlejuice thing? Oh, I've seen that. That's amazing. That, yeah. That was, uh, for those of you who don't know, Community, over the last three years, it, once per season, somebody says the the name Beetlejuice, and it's just sort of a throwaway joke. But the third time, Beetlejuice walks by in the background. <laughs> That's commitment to a gag right there. Yeah. <laughs> And I I'm guess, glad they were able to do it. Oh yeah, that's and I guess that's something that's sort of unique to the form of of American shows with all the episodes is you probably couldn't do that in a British show because you might just be doing the six and then never again. You wouldn't have the time to play with those sort of long form jokes. Well, that's true. You, you yeah, because you would only know because yeah, you would only have six episodes and then. It just depends. Well, I suppose it's the same, you know, you, you only have 22 episodes over there. You don't know if you're coming back for another series. But even still, you can plan sort of long-form jokes over the existing 22. Oh, that's true. Whereas six episodes end-to-end -end is really only the length of a long movie. Yeah, it's only like a three-hour movie. Yeah, exactly. That you're really doing, that's true. Which, on the one hand, is great because you can. it never gets stale. You get it like a show like Spaced. I don't want to see anymore. I mean, if they do more, I'll probably look at it. But I think that was exactly what it needed to be. It captured a certain time and place and, and a certain style, and it never got old, and then it was done. And to me, that show feels those, – those the people who made that show are my age, and it felt like that was the late 90s. That's what it was like to be in your mid-20s in the late 90s. That just that totally captured a time of my life, and I don't know if they could do that again. And if the show and had that, been, what's that? I was just going to say that show. I only found I didn't actually watch it on TV. I only found out about it. I only just picked it up on DVD out of a whim. Really? Was it was it uh, was it not popular, or did you just miss it personally? I think I just missed it. Ah. It does seem to be a lot more, more popular. You know, it's a cult thing. Well, I mean, it helps that Simon Pegg is a big movie star now. But um, yeah, but I mean, you can see a lot of like, um, uh, what's his name, the director. Yes. Uh, Edgar Wright, is that him? That's him, yes. Yeah. Uh, you could see a lot of his, the, the things that he would use in like the Scott Pilgrim movie sort of forming there, which was cool. But um, I don't know. Like I say, it feels like very much of its time and it feels like, you know, 14 episodes was exactly what it needed. And I don't know if they had done two American series of, you know, 20 some episodes each, if it would have been nearly as good. No, probably not. And that, I think that's what I makes the, the great shows is being able to play in the format that you have. Like Arrested Development knew they had long seasons to play long jokes out. Whereas a show like Space knew that they had, you know, a certain confined amount of time to tell a story. And so, you know, you good creative people will tell the story, you know, in the right amount of time. But then you've got, well, you've got, I mean, you've got... Uh, People say, you know, like things like The Office and The Space that was the right amount of length because it was a short series overall. Mm -hmm. And then you've got sometimes in America you get shows that are cut short, but people want more of them. Well, so there's always. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't think of any comedy that's gone on. I mean, you said you still like The Office. I think it's okay, but I can think of any comedy that after the third or fourth year that I'm still really into. Hmm. To me, that seems about the cutoff. Like, I start losing interest, and that just might be me. How many is 30 Rock? That's the thing. I'm starting to lose interest in that. <laughs> 
Like it's, uh, I still watch it and it's still all right. But again, like we were saying before, if I have a choice between five excellent shows and one above average shows, uh, I'll watch the excellent ones. You know, I, I'll. No, that's true. I just don't feel like and it's then, as good as it was. And I hate being that guy, but you know. And then if they bring Arrested Development back, you might not like it. I really hope I do. <laughs> really hope, you know. I feel like that got cut off. I feel like if they had done three full seasons, if they'd not gotten cut off in mid-season three, that would have been the right length. Like, it felt like it was just starting to get to the point where, you know, they needed to start wrapping things up. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, uh, but, but because they planned it out for the series. Right. Uh, and then it was messed about after that. Right. So they probably had planned it out as if, you know, they they only had this series. Well, and a show like that and community, I, you hear Dan Harmon say that all the time. We just think we're going to get canceled tomorrow. So, <laughs> yes, he's so, uh, he is very like that. And if you, if you read any of his interviews, he just seems to think every this, this is rubbish. This, yeah. this series is going to be rubbish. This episode is going to be rubbish. Well, that's, that's the creative process. Honestly. He seems, he's, he seems very British. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I know I, I just I I feel like most of my favorite things have an end. Like like okay, The Simpsons is kind of an anomaly. But other than that, I don't know. Futurama came back and it was okay, but it wasn't as good. Uh, Red Dwarf came back and it was okay, but it wasn't as good. You know what I mean? Like when you when you come back, I just <clears throat> I can't yeah, think of any you, good you, example. You can't go home again. I, well, I I so far no, but you know. <laughs> Hopefully something will prove that wrong. Hopefully Arrested Development will break the... I mean, you know, I, w- I was so wrong about Star Trek that maybe I'm wrong about this too. That's what well, I there's, there's always the uh, thing that breaks the rule, isn't there? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think even of a British show, though, because it can be like Red Dwarf. It can be 10 years between series. But is it ever worth it? Like, if they did another Black Adder. no. Yeah, they should see. not make another black. But see, that's exactly my. I knew there was an example there that you would that would get you on my side, and that's it. Black Adder's done. Well, well, it was did, great, and, and it that just wasn't. No, I liked it. Okay, I liked the one they did a few years ago. Okay, but I don't yeah, think they should right, do another full series. No, definitely not. I think they're they're done now, and you know, I mean, it's what it is, it's over twenty years since they did that the last series. Yeah, but like I say, Red Dwarf just keeps not dying. But then if you'd said after the first series, should they make another one? Of Blackadder? Yeah, I would have said no. But then they did, and it was even it was it was actually good. Well, that's the thing. And, and everyone kept saying, Blackadder is so brilliant, you need to watch it. And I watched the first series, I'm like, eh, this is okay, I guess. And I didn't realize that what they meant was start watching it series two. Because, yeah, <laughs> then it's great. Yeah, watch two, three, four, one. Yeah. <laughs> No, and uh, I only just recently the other day discovered who um, Brian Blessed is. I just, I never knew. I'd heard the name, but I never knew. And then someone said, well, hadn't you seen him in Blackadder? Like, well, not not that I would remember, no. That that series was just so unmemorable to me. <laughs> but he was the only one shouting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now I realize someone pointed out that he was the, the voice of the, the lead uh, Gungan in uh, Phantom Menace. Oh, That's yes. where I've heard that voice. <laughs> no wonder I resisted for so long. <laughs> no, he's great, but he's so uniquely <laughs> he doesn't seem like a person who exists. He's like he's like Tom Baker in real in real life, but louder. Is Tom Baker crazy? Yes. 
Really? I didn't know he's that. Wa- he's wonderfully crazy in real life. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's, he's got those crazy eyes, but that just might be the way he looks. <laughs> he's, he's literally crazy. Really? Do you have any, I mean, is there, I kind of need some examples now. He was on an episode of Have I Got News For You, which is a news-based panel show, mm-hmm. and he presented it, and he and it was just, he was like Brian Blessed, but... Just very shouty and very just like manic or manic, I would say. I can see that, and you can you could actually think he is the, actually the doctor. <laughs> Does he actually? I think, think I think he thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, is he is he the one who's played him the longest now, or is that Tennant? No, that would be. Well, he played him for seven years. Hmm. I'm not sure if Tennant played him longer. But I think didn't Tennant play him for more episodes or so? Like, there's some. Technicality where it's tenant, but it's Tom Baker, you know, depending on how you look at it. Probably is tenant if you go by, you know, number of episodes. Right. But it's Tom Baker if, uh, if you go by length of time. Yes. Well, if you go by length of time, then it's Sylvester McCoy. Because he, he played him from 1987 to 1996. But huh. he didn't actually do eight years of that. <laughs> Because it was off the air. Oh, right, right, right. I see, yeah. <laughs> and then I was he came say back that, and regenerated. Uh, he came back, appeared for 10 minutes and regenerated. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. Continuous. <laughs> I don't know my Doctor Who well enough for that to that, that to have worked on me. I'm like, wait a minute. That, that, that doesn't that is, sound right. That, that is a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of correct. <laughs> All right, Gav. Well, I think we should probably wrap this up. I'm sure we've bored people to tears, but I don't care. No, I never do. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, the, the Drunken Time Travel Podcast, I'm sure everyone knows about it already, but we might as well throw a plug in here. It's their Doctor Who podcast. They drink and talk about Doctor Who, and it's delightful, and you should check it out. Yeah, that's what, exactly what he said. It's at <laughs> uh, drunkentimetravel.blogspot.com. I, I feel and like... it's also on iTunes. Oh, yes, that thing. I, I always feel... He was official now that I can say that. <laughs> I, I always feel like... A little presumptuous saying this, but it, it does seem like post-atomic horror and drunken time travel are sort of like sister shows. Like, like we're t- the together we're tackling the two big science fiction things. Yes, and we will defeat them both <laughs> until until Gav gets fed up. <laughs> I started watching um, some old Twilight Zone the other day. Oh, for New Year's, and I briefly considered doing that because that would be <laughs> another one of the big ones. I'm like, no, that would take way too long, and. There's only so many times I can make the I've broken my glasses joke, so <laughs> <laughs> best to leave well enough alone. Uh, and you do, uh, you also have a, a well, the, the, the website that you gave, you have um, reviews of like the supplemental oh, yes, stuff, right? There's, yes, for like blogs of, of uh, books and, and uh, audios for, the, for that doctor as well. I'm also doing them uh, chronologically kind of concurrently. Nice, and then you also have your uh, your Voyager reviews, which uh, I mean, better, better you than I. <laughs> well, yes, but it's nearly over. I'm on the sixth series now. Well, only one, only one more after this. You, you know, I'm I'm getting through next gen season one right now. I'm like, okay, but good is coming. I know you you don't have that. All you can say is it's going to be <laughs> over soon. The end is coming. <laughs> well, there's that. Ugh, I remember the Voyager finale. I remember hating the Voyager finale. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, do they get home? I should tune it. I should watch this. Oh, the Borg again. Uh. Yes, they did find the Borg and think, why did we ever use anyone else? 
horrible. And of course, I've got the. I've just uh, done the Irish holodeck one. Well, I say one. There's another one coming. <laughs> well, there's. That, I, that was a, that was a delight. I bet Star Trek and the Irish. What the hell? <laughs> Yeah, it makes me want to watch Enterprise just to see if there's, an Irish <laughs> see if there's any redeeming. Uh, Deep Space Nine doesn't count because O'Brien was a very likable character. They just they like to torture him, but that I don't think that's because he was Irish. I think it's because well, I think it's just because they like Spider Man. Well, and they wanted to copy that with Peter Parker. Yeah, like like all good drama, you take a very likable, down on his luck character and you just keep throwing horrible things at him. Yeah, that's it's fun. But there's there's no particular anti-Irish agenda there like there is in all the other series. There was a leprechaun. Oh, that's true. Well. But I'll let it off. <laughs> we'll get there soon enough, I suppose. That's not soon enough. All right, Gav. Well, always a pleasure. I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Take care. Bye. This show is produced by me, Ron Algarwatt, and featured Gav Brown. To learn more about Gav, follow him on Twitter, at IrishGavBrown, or check out the Drunken Time Travel podcast at drunkentimetravel.blogspot.com. To learn more about me, go to algar.com, A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening, and seriously, how many times do I have to tell you to avoid the amnesia ray? <laughs>